Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, good morning. Great to be with you here today. I'm John Adams, one of the pastors here, and we're in a series out of the book of Isaiah And it really relates a lot here to the church today, and especially to this church, as we think about our vision. uh, Do you know what our vision is? (laughs) It's this. Um, Let me remind you. It's, It's that we may flourish in God's grace and bear fruit. We want to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit And, you know, in the mighty ways God has been providing for the vine, I could say on the outside, it really looks like we're flourishing. I mean, mean, we have this beautiful building. We have these beautiful people. I mean, look at you guys. I mean, you're crazy good. And, and, uh, you know, God's bringing a few people here, and he's providing everything pretty much we need, and then some. And on the outside, everything looks really fine. But on the inside, maybe you are, you're struggling. I mean, I, I can tell you how many people even come through those doors. they got people that are having joyful moments. And I can tell when you come through those doors and you're just hurting, you've had a rough week. And you don't feel like you're flourishing. And sometimes some of you are even thinking, God, where are you? What's up, God? You know, I feel a little forsaken. Well, this is the context today that we're going to be looking out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 62, if you have your Bibles or handhelds. Look there with me. And in Isaiah 62, just to remind you, the people of God who were the, particularly the southern two tribes of Israel, where um, Isaiah was saying, hey, because of your sin and idolatry over years repeatedly, you're going to go into prison. You're, uh, the nation of Babylon's going to come, ransack your city, take you out, remove all your wealth. You're going to a nation you don't want to go to, a foreign land where you feel in prison. And in that land for 70 years, you're going to feel this feeling forsaken. You're going to feel like your name is desolate. You're going to feel like God is not seeking after you or he doesn't really even care. And that's probably in those 70 years of exile, the people of Israel felt a lot like that. Can some of you relate to that feeling? Well, as we look at God's word today, we're going to see that this scripture is just as relevant for us today. It's just as important for us to understand its meaning and how does it apply to our lives today as as for the people of Israel. So without further ado, let's, let's go ahead and dig in. Verse number one here Isaiah is, teaches this, and he is speaking on behalf of God uh, for, the, for the people of God called Zion or Jerusalem, what we know is the city of God. Look at it. It says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, 
I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. Isaiah is this prophet, and he is continuing to preach, pray, and he says, I'm crying out. Even some of you are trying to shush me, shush me, or whatever it is. Keep me silent. But I'm not going to be silent. I am going to cry out for God's people. I am going to be concerned for what is going on with the community of faith. And by the way, we should be concerned about the church today too. Are you? Do you pray for her? Do you think about her? Do you love her? Or do you just sort of show up for her? Do we care about the, what in early prayer, uh, Pastor Tim shared the one word that I think is probably marks the church as a whole, complacent. Complacency. And I know that might not be some of you. We have so many wonderful people who are, you know, who love Christ, who are praying, who are seeking his face, who love his word. But it's easy to fall in complacency with thinking about the church of Jesus Christ, the family of God, because it's, you know, we got so many problems ourselves and in our families. And God cares about those, by the way. But are we, are we also just, do we have love and the care and a growing concern for the church of Jesus Christ, the people of God? And so uh, uh, Isaiah keeps teaching to what's called the city of God or the people of God. Verse 12, if you glance down there, you would see it's he actually called a city that's not forsaken. And we'll see that in a few minutes. And, and <clears throat> so today, as we kind of continue in this passage, I want to ask this question, and it kind of summarizes where we're headed, is do you trust that God delights in you? Do you trust that God delights in you? You see, the reason, see, the you here is I'm thinking about is, all y'all, right? It's plural. Yes, it is for you personally. And you should know that God delights in you personally. But do we care about the people of God today, which is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you trust that God delights in you? And if you know that he delights in you, both personally and corporally, you will delight in him and in his church. You see, verse 2 goes on. Isaiah says, The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called a new name. Does that sound familiar? We see that in Revelation 2.17 and 3.12, where God says he'll give his people and his church a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You see, God had given Isaiah a vision of awakening and revival for the people of that day and for, by the way, the church this day. 
He wants to revive and awaken you. He wants to take you from complacency to a sense of, I have compassion on others, and I have a care. I actually care about the church of the Lord Jesus. And so, as we look to him, we realize, we realize that he treats us as not just some you know, distant person or some friend of a friend. He treats us like he's, we're his own bride. He cares for his church that well. Notice that he says, when he says, a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God, the imagery he's going to is God is the king over the universe and we all who comprise his people called the church, he places on our head with his very hand the crown, the, the crown of his saying, you are my bride. And we, we see that imagery all taught about in Ephesians 5 where the church is the bride of Christ. And so he goes on with this picture. As Isaiah and was teaching about God's longing for his people to repent and return to him as in a faithful, obedient bride. He says this, but you shall be called, verse 4 again, my delight is in her. And your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. Two words that repeat, delight and married. He's saying, do you know I delight in you? Yes, you, again, personally, but also the church. I delight in my people. I marry you. I, you know, when you marry someone, it's like you have to pretty much choose them, right? I choose you. Isn't it amazing God chooses us? He says, I choose you. I marry you. I delight in you. For as a young, verse 5, man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. See, when... When Isaiah writes this hopeful prophecy, God's people were anything but faithful or obedient. It's kind of like the church today, but he still chose them. And he believed that as he loved them and they saw his delight, his grace, if you will, poured out to them. And as we see that in our church and in our lives, we will want to serve him. We will want to pray. We will want to remember him constantly. And so he goes on, talking about what the people of God should actually do because of God's delight over them. <laughs> Again, when you're in captivity like the people of Israel, you tend to not be happy. You tend to be like, man, I'm just disappointed. I feel so deserted. I feel desolate. Or you start to imitate the morality of the nation that you're in. That happens with the church today. But Isaiah envisioned actually a different kind of people, mobilized in a God-centered response to the living Lord and his great work. Verse 6, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. 
all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. So let me pause and just teach on six and seven just a little bit for you. Watchmen literally means to be keepers or guardians. In ancient Israel, watchmen had two functions, if you will. They watched for oncoming enemies. And they were on top of the walls, and day and night they would take shifts. There would always be a watchman on the wall in each direction on the walls of the city to watch for incoming adversaries. Are we watching for the adversary? Are you watching for the adversaries? Are you on guard? Are you realizing, like we sang, though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, you see, we're, we, we are threatened because this world is filled with devils. There is a spiritual warfare going on amidst the world, and it is a competition for your heart. Will you trust God? Will you be a watchman? Will you love to pray? Will you be changed by His grace? So we watch, and because of defensive enemies coming all around us. But it's also, secondly, they would also, watchmen would alert the city for an, when they saw the oncoming Savior coming. They would actually blow the, take the trumpet, and, and which was a shofar, and they would blow the shofar when the either enemies, and they'd have a different sound, a, a trumpet sound when the Savior was coming. You see, are we watching on the walls? Do we care? Are we praying for the church? Or are our prayers just for me, moi, and self? You know, that's good to pray. It's good. There's no condemnation in praying for yourself. In fact, you should. I mean, the Lord's, Lord's Prayer teaches you to pray. Give, your, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I need that. So pray for you, but also... Let's go beyond that. Let's pray for the church, God's people. Are we eagerly watching for Jesus alone to rescue us in our lives and rescue the church in its complacency? And are we praying to for Christ to return soon and rescue his city? Are you praying that way? Look at verse 6 again. He says, he talks about what prayer is, and it's a growing and trusting that he delights in you. And notice that, the, that it's, prayer is, first of all, is ceaseless. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. See, that's a re repeat of verse one, where it says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. The prophet says, but now he says, the people will not keep silent who realize God's grace. That means all of us should be praying and growing in prayer that is prayer without ceasing. Verse 6, in the beginning of 7, he writes, take no rest and give him no rest. If you've read any of the great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon, he wrote about Plead the promises of God. 
Don't give him any rest. Keep praying and continue to, in essence, pester him until he fulfills his promises. This is a good way to pray. We are like watchmen on the wall, are we? In, in constant, unceasing prayer. And this is reflected, this concept by Paul in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, where he writes, pray without ceasing. So how do we grow in this kind of prayer? Some of you are saying, I don't do that very well. By the way, no one does that naturally very well. It is, this is not easy. We need God's grace to pray because it's hard to pray, honestly. But unceasing prayer is growing in a more and more centering your heart and life on God and thinking about him, his word, and how, he, how he's actually praying for you. Did you know the Holy Spirit's praying for you right now? Romans 8.26 says that. You know Jesus is praying for you right now, the Son. Hebrews 7.25, if the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the second and third person of the Trinity, are praying for us, this should motivate us. His prayers, praying and pleading on your behalf. He cares for you if you're his child more than anyone else on the planet. And so we should be saying, Lord, Lord, teach us. Teach us like that persistent widow of Luke 18 to always pray and not lose heart. Help us, Lord, because we so easily lose heart because at some point in our life, we feel forsaken. We get disappointed. We get in the doldrums of life, and it's hard to pray. But God says, don't give in, don't give up. I'm praying for you. Know my grace. Know I delight in you. How much I delight in you, and when you know that, you will pray more and more without ceasing. But also, prayer is God-centered. Verse 6 goes on and says, you who put the Lord in remembrance. That's kind of a funny phrase, isn't it? You see, a watchman is a guardian who chiefly is a guardian of God and remembering him. Because we are so easily distracted by all these other things. It's easy to put our attention on other things. Again, the, the word remembrance means here, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper in a few moments. It means being mindful thinking about God, putting God into my thoughts. The Lord's Prayer began this way. Jesus knew we'd easily forget. And he says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. See, Jesus taught this model prayer to, and to respond in prayer because he, he wanted to teach us that God not only is good enough to really care, he's sovereign enough and great enough to bring the care for you. He does care 
and he will care for you. Do you believe and trust he delights in you? Do you believe it? You see, this year, our elders are prayerfully, we've fasted, we've prayed. We're asking the Lord, how do, how do you lead this congregation? Where do you want us to go, Lord? In 2023, 2024, one of our key ministry focuses are, is, is this, is that we will love God by growing our people to be God-centered versus man-centered. What, what does that mean? Well, you're, we're talking about it, right? Right now. And throughout this series of Isaiah, that's why we picked Isaiah in these chapters, because it's one of the most God-centered focuses in all of Scripture. And we want to grow in saying, God, I know you care for me, and I know I can be about me, but teach me how to be about you. Centering my mind, my heart, my life, and my practices on the living Lord. And then you, you, you'll, you'll learn how to love yourself and love others even more effectively. It's crazy how that works. You see, we, we can be motivated to be God-centered and constantly remember God because he's constantly remembering you and me. He never forgets you if you're his kid. Isaiah 49, 15, earlier in this book, he writes, can a woman forget her nursing child? Ladies, if you've nursed a child, can you? Nope. And that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb, you will not forget your little nursing baby. But God... His love and care for you is even greater than a nursing mom's care for her little infant. He says, even these may forget, yet, what? I will not forget you and 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 you. I'm that sovereign. I can at one time, at all times, never forget I will never forget you. Do you believe? Do you know I delight in you and you? Only God could love this way. Only God could care for his people in this way. He will never forget you. So let's ask him to help us. The one who never forgets to help us remember him to be more God-centered. So prayer is that. It's, it's, it's without ceasing. It's God-centered. And it's also kingdom-building. It says, until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. I love uh, the commentator, Alec Motyer says in the com- his commentary about this verse, he says, Jerusalem is made the praise of the earth, so it's the thing the whole world gives praise to the Lord for. Because in saving Zion, which is God's people, the world has been saved. You see, if the church realizes how much God loves us and how great our salvation is, Katie 
bar the door. Nothing can stop the love of God and the mobilized people of God. We will remember him. And his church will be revived. And this community, by the way, in this nation will be awakened. May we delight, delight in the wonderful God who delights in us. You see, prayer and worship is just that. It's realizing as we realize, you know, this is what changes my heart. As, as I, I'm blown away, God, why would you love me? I fail, I sin all the time. And yet, you forgive me, you care for me, you delight in me for some reason, not because I preach on Sundays, but because you love John Adams, because for some reason you chose to love me, and I don't even know why. But he loves each one of you that way who are in Christ, who know him. You see, and <clears throat> that should change us to be a people who pray, who seek his face. He is the one who, by his grace, he establishes his city as people. And our prayers should be for the revival of the church. We should be praying that way. Are you praying that? We pray every Wednesday for 15 years. Paul Phipps has led it, 6 a.m. Come join us, a very convenient time. We pray for a revival and awakening. It's a conference call. You can jump in on that. There's plenty of other times we pray, but we should be constantly praying for the revival and awakening of his people and not just the reform of America. Look, if we are revived, this, this, I, I truly believe our nation will change because the church is complacent. You see why our nation is not where it should be? The church is not what it should be. So are we going to enjoy his grace? to know he delights in us and then be a people who are transformed by that gift of his grace he gives us to pray and read his word and seek his face and care for the lost, care for our neighbor, to be ethical in our workplace, to be different, to be energized, to love his beautiful bride, his church, He finishes here in verse 8 through 12 this way. The Lord is sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm. I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies. And foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it shall eat it and praise the Lord. And those who gather it shall drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people. What is this making you think of? John the Baptist. Build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord is proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. 
Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense reward before him. And they, notice what our new name is. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. Do you feel forsaken? You are not forsaken if you know Jesus as your God and your Lord. You are, you're more than cherished. You're treasured. You're his beloved. I love in verse 10 how... Here, Isaiah paints this amazing picture of a prepared and welcoming city, a people of God. You see, the gates are all open. The roads have been cleared of the debris, and they're paved. It's it's better than Georgia 400 with no one on it. The picture is here of a pilgrimage of millions of people flooding to Jerusalem, making their ascent to the city of God. But it's not just to literal Jerusalem and Israel. It was. They went back to Israel. But listen, one day very soon Jesus will return and nations will make their pilgrimage the way to the Lord in the return of Christ to the new city of Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth. Are you a part of that? If you know Christ, you are. He delights in you right now in the, this time of in-between, between his first and his second coming. This should cause our hearts to be thrilled by his love for his church. We should pray more, seek him more, trust him more. Because we delight in his great affection towards us. You see, again, he finishes calling us with the new name. My holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, those I have sought out. Do you trust that God delights in you? And are you then motivated to cry out and not be silent for his church? Let's repent of our complacency. Let's repent of our prayerlessness. Let's invite him to shower us with his grace and his delight over us and in us. Let's pray. Father, we just praise you for your great work. Your word is rich. We can never plummet its wonderful depth. We just scratched the surface this morning. Thank you, Lord. And we come, Lord, to this table today. Oh, God, thank you for Jesus and him alone. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with your, just the sense of that you have affection toward your church,
towards us. We get to be a part of this as believers. This should change our hearts and minds. Thank you, Lord. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.